Yeah, so a uh, fat person is the irreducible triumvirate of selection. So when we think about selection, so who are we going to choose to disciple? Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Practitioner's Podcast, where we're applying Jesus-style disciple-making to everyday life. This episode is powered by Navigators Church Ministries, which focuses on helping churches make disciples who can make disciples. For more information, check out navigatorschurchministries.org. Hey, Tony, how we doing today? Good, man. How are you? We Well, I'm doing good. Can't complain. I have a big question to ask you. Kind of focus of our episode today is, does it matter if I'm deci- if the person I'm discipling goes to a different church than me? Okay, so stick with me. Imagine for a moment that somebody told you that you should never disciple somebody that doesn't go to your church because hmm. if you disciple them, you'd actually be doing spiritual damage to them. I'm sorry, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. So this is uh, an author, Mark Dever, wrote a book called Discipling. Uh, He's somewhat well-known. And he asserts that in one of his chapters, that you should not do that uh, because it could spiritually damage the person that you're discipling. Because instead of encouraging them to get to a better church, your spiritual input into their life will enable them to stay in a church that's not very healthy to them. And so what would be better is to not help them so that they can later on, I guess, see what's not going well in that church and get to a better one. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, like, as I listen to you say that, I thought, well, this is, this is different, right? Right. This it's, it's obviously, it's not what I would suggest. I mean, it feels like that we're called to make disciples regardless Mm-hmm. of where the person is. And if someone's in an unhealthy church culture, they need help seeing that it's unhealthy. I think a lot of us have grown up or experienced churches that are unhealthy. And until we get to a healthy one, a, a disciple-making church, then we probably didn't even know it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when I first read that, and this was maybe three years ago, I'd been in discipling ministry for over 17 years. And it's the first time I'd ever heard anyone make this assertion. And so kind of my eyebrows perked up right away of like, whoa, really? Um, And the way that he kind of defends it, in addition to what we've already said, is that, you know, you're going to regularly see the people that you go to church with. And so as a result, um, when you regularly see them, you'll be able to have a greater relationship with them. You're probably committed to similar doctrine if you're going to the same church. You're kind of submitting and being led by the same sort of leaders in your church. And so when you take all those things away um, and are trying to do that with somebody outside your church, then then you just don't have those advantages that that would naturally be there if you're working with somebody in your church. Yeah, th- I find this line of thinking rather infuriating. Okay. Tell yeah, us more about that. Strong word, yes, but yeah. but let me. Uh, I'm going to rant a little bit, if that's okay. So h- here's the deal, right? This is this is classic 1990s church growth thinking, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to build this incredible place where people can come, and we're just going to keep our people together. And yet, when I read the scriptures, and I, I would I would guess that when you read the scriptures for those listening, when you read the scriptures, right? Like 
I'm guessing you don't see anywhere in the Bible that Jesus says, go and make great churches. <laughs> right? Matthew 28 right. says, go therefore and make disciples. It would be different if it said, go therefore and make great churches. Mm. Churches. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is a church doctrine versus a kingdom doctrine. And, and I believe with all of my heart and soul that one of the things that has done more damage to the American church than anything else are pastors who think their only job or their primary job is to build up their local body instead of building up the kingdom of God. Hmm. See, I like that because so much of what I see out there in disciple making comes from a pastor centric perspective. Mm. Right. And so it's looking at disciple making through the eyes of a pastor, uh, which is not bad to do, especially if you're a pastor. You need to do that. I've um, never not done it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, boom, that's like a dad joke. You're welcome. There you go. Um, but the problem is that most of the people that we're calling and asking to be disciples and disciple makers not only aren't pastors, but are never going to be pastors. Yeah. And so when we primarily teach disciple making through pastor centric lenses, then we end up with things like this that are benefiting what the pastor is mostly concerned about rather than what the everyday disciple maker might be primarily concerned with or uh, primarily called to. Yeah. And I, I think that this is an important distinction, right? Because as a pastor, this is my, this is my job. It's my vocation. Mm -hmm. Now, not every pastor is, is uh, full-time vocationally serving as a pastor. I'm fortunate enough I get to. And so this is my job, right? Now, part of my call as a Christian is still to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And those two, um, while they parallel each other in a lot of ways, they are different, right? Everyone's called to make disciples, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a uh, construction worker or um, a property manager or whatever the case is, we're all called to make disciples. And so when we talk about selection, we have to look at it through kingdom, lens kingdom lenses, right, Justin? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that idea about, well, what's our job and what's God's job, right? So as you reference, like God tells us that we're to go and to make disciples, but he says to Peter that that it's his church, right? And that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that Jesus is the one and God the Father is the one that's caring for the church as a whole and seeing that that it will grow or not grow. But we know the end, right? That, that hell is not going to prevail against the church on earth because God is is caretaking that and we are stewards of that as well and, and co-owners of that. But our primary focus should be making disciples because when we make disciples, eventually we'll have a church, right? If we make disciple after disciple after disciple, we're going to have a church that we're connecting to. And a lot of times that um, bad churches often spin inwards. Mm. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we, we pull people into this ecosystem that we call the church and the local church, and we need to be there, need to be a part of it, et cetera, et cetera. But what happens is that we take people's time and availability and we fill it to such a degree that they don't even have time to make disciples outside of there or to have relationships outside of the church. Tony, it was about six months ago, I was talking to an elder of a church here in Dayton 
And he was just being honest. He said, I don't have time to build relationships with anybody. Right. Because Monday is this thing at church. This day is an elders meeting. This day is this thing. And he said, I would like to get to know my neighbors, but I can't because I'm never home because I'm always out doing things uh, at churches. And he was lamenting it and was starting to get the picture that this was not the healthy uh, life of a disciple that that we need to have if we're going to reach those who are outside the church. Yeah, w- what I love um, about this reality is that it's a, it's an easy switch when we begin to have kingdom-minded thinking um, and, and it changes everything, right? Well, one of the scriptures that comes to mind is in the book of Matthew, when Jesus begins to preach for the very first time, comes out of the wilderness, Matthew chapter four, and he preaches a message that says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, right? He, do- he doesn't say repent for you can go to church this weekend. Hmm. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus was kingdom minded. He was building the kingdom of God. Even in, in my um, theological roots and Wesleyan roots, what John Wesley would say is, hey, you need to go to a class meeting, which was a, a gathering. It was a social gathering of um, holy people that were there to grow with Christ before you can come to worship. Now, what's interesting is that this is a, a fundamental shift from what we see in the majority of churches today, right? Are you worshiping out of your relationship with Jesus or are you worshiping to get a relationship with Jesus? Hmm. You see, the difference there is that inward and outward spin cycle like you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? When we have a deep, personal, discipled relationship with Jesus, and when we help someone else do that, we'll never have to worry about church attendance because people who truly love Jesus, people who understand what Jesus did for them, people who know the word of God will always want to worship. Mm. Amen. So you... Excuse me, you kind of highlighted this idea of kingdom thinking, kingdom perspective versus church thinking and church perspective. Um, Can you tell us more about that as far as where do you see this kingdom sort of mindset unfolding? How do you see it happening in scripture or maybe, you know, with Jesus? How did he move away from just being uh, kind of honed in too far on like a Jewish sect or something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, if if we think about the way Jesus just lived his life, he interacted with every person that he encountered, right? And so from uh, from the woman at the well uh, to using the story of, of the Good Samaritan, Jesus was always like, hey, we're, we're expanding here. We're expanding from just even Jewish thinking to kingdom thinking. And mm-hmm. so when he talked about this, he lifted up and elevated people that would otherwise not be welcome in the temple or in our case in the church. And he did so in such a way to really uh, show us that kingdom mindedness, right. Is, is part of this whole, whole process and, and the salvation of the world, right. Jesus came to save the world, John 3, 16, 17, you know, like this is all part of this idea. Um, even, even in uh, the story of Zacchaeus, I just preached on it last weekend. He says, this house, this entire house is for salvation, right? Not just the individual, but the entire house. And I, I love the way Jesus looks at those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too, because discipling is about an outward perspective, right? And it's not that we neglect 
those people that are around us in the church or anything like that. But even as we are uh, a church body together, I kind of envision it like a circle of people holding hands, but facing outside the circle, not inside the circle. Right. And so we're trying to move outwards towards those that don't know Christ. And still we're caring about those in the circle, but the focus isn't looking across the circle and, and helping each other in that circle, although we will do that. Uh, the focus is, all right, where is God calling us to outward? And another thing is, you know, in our podcast, we always try to go back to Jesus and what did he do and what did he model? And it occurred to me that even in the 12 that he selected, he selected from different Jewish sects, right? right. So, you know, the one example that we know for sure is Simon the Zealot. So Zealot is a term of a Jewish sect for that day and time. And what we know for sure is that Simon was different than the other disciples because of that. And so even Jesus, whether whatever sect he was, and I think it's kind of unclear uh, in the scriptures, but whatever one he was, he reached outside of that to invite Simon the Zealot in to the 12 and began discipling him. And so I'd say it, it doesn't, doesn't pass that test of, well, is this what Jesus did? Is this Jesus style? Well, no, he had some, some diversity there. Uh, amongst those 12. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think as, as now we kind of transition a little bit to the selection part, this is really important because um, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are good that you love disciple making or you love the thought of disciple making or you're ready to start making disciples. We want you to take down the barriers that it has to be someone in your church. We want you to take down the barriers that it has to be someone who already knows Christ. Instead, we want you to start looking for someone, and I'm going to use a term that Justin has taught me, right? And then he, then he and I will talk about a, a little bit, but we want you to find the perfect fat person, F-A-T. It's kind fat. of offensive, Tony. I, well, it's not the first time I've ever been <laughs> offensive, but Justin, help us understand what does F-A-T uh, stand for? And then let's you and I dive into it a little bit. Yeah, so a uh, fat person is the irreducible triumvirate of selection. So when we think about selection, so who are we going to choose to disciple? Uh, we'd like to choose everybody, but we have a limited amount of time. And so we're limited. So we have to focus in and find somebody that is going to be a good fit for what we're trying to do with them and what God is calling them to. And so this acronym really helps us to do that. So the F stands for faithful. So are they faithful to God and are they faithful to the opportunities they already have in front of them to grow, right? So from our, as much as we know the person and can know the person, you know, are they trying to learn more about God, trying to grow? Are they involved in a local church? Are they in a Bible study? Are they small group or whatever? And so that helps us to know, all right, do we see some faithfulness there? Um Tony, what about the A? Why don't you follow up the A for us? The A, available, available, right? Now, available is not like, hey, dating available, like, hey, how you doing? You know, not that kind of available. It's available in the sense that they are making space in their life for what is at hand, right? So one of the things we talk about is, is, is if you're going to set an appointment, are you going to keep it? Are you going to show up? Um, we almost always in disciple-making relationship have takeaways, just similar to what we do here at the podcast. And the A is, are they making space in their life to do this? As I'm praying through who God is going to send me to disciple next, as I pray about what that means and looks like, I want someone 
who's available for what God is going to call them to in their life. Mm. Right. And so you start with faithful and then you move to available and, and ask the question, is there room for a new relationship with me? And ideally, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, a deeper relationship with Jesus in their life. And then yeah. we go to the, then we go to the T. Right. Well, just to follow up on that, that's so important because if they don't have time for a relationship with you, then they're not going to have time for a relationship with another person to disciple uh, 100%, them. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Right? When we think about multiplication, that's a great point. Yes. And so the T then is uh, teachable. So are they somebody that's willing to learn from you um, about life, about the gospel, about what it means to be a disciple? Now, there's a lot of people that are faithful and available, and they're interested in spending time with you, but they're interested because they want to teach you something mm. rather than them learning something. They got it all figured out, even though they're not making disciples or discipling anybody. And they'd love to sit down with you, Tony, because they have some things on their agenda that you need to get. Oh, hundred. I mean, as a pastor, this happens all the time. People have lots of thoughts for me all the time. How, do you have a litmus test if someone's teachable or not? How do you know? So one of the things I think about is in what people uh, do my words seem large for them? Mm-hmm. And so they're coming to me sometimes for advice or the things that I'm saying to them. They just seem to to take it and want more of it, right? And so I have some sort of influence with them in that. Um, that's one way. Another way is just looking at how they relate to others, maybe in the context of a small group or, um, you know, a Bible study setting, like how are they genuinely hungry and learning from others or are they the ones that need to have their voice, their voice loud, right? Yeah. One of the things I always look for is to see if that person is willing to ask a question, right? Are, Are they coming to the dialogue with questions? Are they coming to the dialogue with thoughts? Are they thinking about it? Or do they just come to the dialogue to express their own beliefs? So question asking is definitely one of those litmus tests for me is, are they interested in even just getting to know me as a person? I mean, you and I have joked before, we've both met with people, and I'm sure everyone listening has, who sit down for a meeting and they have such uh, a, a own agenda kind of mindset going in that you can go in and not be asked a single question. Right. And, and that yeah. that's weird because as disciple makers, one of the tools that we often use is the the question tool. So, right. um, you know, maybe they're not teachable yet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Tony, I know you and I have both tried to disciple people that maybe don't have one of those, right? Maybe they're not faithful. Maybe they're not available. Maybe they're not teachable. And I can tell you from experience, it never works. Never. Never works. If you don't have all three of these, then the person that you're discipling is not going to become a disciple maker. Now, and to be clear, that doesn't mean that we write them off, right? We, we, right. we, uh, you and I are both committed to our communities and we play the long game all the time, yep. right? And the long game is, is, hey, you may not be in a season where you're fat right now, faithful, available, teachable, but you might be in a season where you'll be fat soon. And so we stay in the relationship. We continue to lean in. We do some of those things that we've talked about before, and, uh, and we wait for God to give us the nod. Absolutely. Yep. We love them well where they are, but there's a time and a season where discipling somebody uh, makes sense and there's time and season when it doesn't. And so, yeah, I appreciate that you added that. Tony, how about our takeaway and our action step for this episode? Takeaway. The goal is to build the church, the kingdom of God, not your church, mm. right? And And that means that 
Selection is important. Find the person that God has called you to. Be in prayer about it. Look at it. All those things. Build the church. The action step. Well, I kind of alluded to it already. Find a fat person. Faithful, available, teachable. Begin to pray. If you're not ready yet to even find a fat person, begin to pray that God would send you a fat person, right? That's uh, that's what we need to find someone who will make disciples uh, and and follow and, and be a strong disciple maker. So uh, that's our episode for the day. I am so thankful for all of you listening in, giving us those ratings and reviews. They do mean the world to us. Uh, hey, do us a favor. Share this episode with a friend, maybe another disciple maker, maybe someone who's walking alongside you in the journey of faith. Thank you guys so much. And we look forward to connecting real soon.